Hello and welcome to Better Construction with Sean McStay, the podcast where we discuss design and construction techniques, products, and details that lead to a better built environment. All right, welcome to this week's episode of Better Construction. This week, I'm happy to have with me Zach Kingma. Zach is the owner of uh, Kingma Lumbermasters uh, here in Edmonton. Uh, woodworker, furniture manufacturer, CNC guru, many different titles. Uh, so, Zach, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me. Yeah, so uh, maybe for people who don't know you, uh, do a quick introduction. Uh, who is Zach Kingma? Zach Kingma is a 25-year-old entrepreneur uh, who started uh, selling stuff way back in the day um, when he was even in junior high selling stuff out of his locker. And I've loved business ever since. And I started Kingma Lumbermasters back in 2017 or 18. I can't remember exactly when, but um, uh, I didn't like the way uh, the lumber industry was going and how expensive things were. And so I decided to start my own company. Uh, to help other people get uh, decent pricing on uh, hardwood lumber. Nice. All right. Uh, so rewinding a little bit from there, I'm always really curious with my guests. When you were growing up, you said you were you know you got into sales pretty young and selling things, kind of being entrepreneurial. But what did you envision yourself being? Did you have like a big uh, dream career goal, or was it kind of up in the air? Yeah, I actually did. My dad was, uh, he's a retired EPS member now, but uh, so my dad was in, uh, he was a policeman growing up and, and I always wanted to do that as well. And um, and then when I graduated, um, I always enjoyed business, like I mentioned. So I ended up uh, going to business school at Nate, which uh, schools never really ended up being my thing. And um, I ended up uh, dropping out after my first year. And uh, yeah, I was thinking about going to be a police officer after that. And, um, and then some, some mentor of mine mentioned that, uh, he really felt for some reason, a calling that I was supposed to work with my hands and, uh, I didn't really take much of it. And, and then one day I was making furniture and then I looked back and I was like, wow, he was right. I was supposed to work with my hands. So that's kind of, kind of my story of what I thought I was going to do growing up and how different it is now. Yeah, very cool. It's always interesting to see when uh, people from outside can kind of maybe see things in us that we don't necessarily see. Mm-hmm. Um, has woodworking always been something of interest to you or like how did you get into woodworking specifically? Um, I So in high school, I took construction class, which was a lot of woodworking, and I actually really didn't enjoy it. Uh, the one thing that I found is um, every uh, project was – I had to do it a specific way. I was being graded a specific way and there was no artistic ability within it. So I've come to learn that's why I didn't like it. Um, And so getting into woodworking, when my wife and I got married in 2017, I moved out of my parents' house and we needed a coffee table. And I decided I was going to make a walnut trunk as our coffee table so we could store blankets and stuff in it. And uh, a friend of mine from church, he... uh, he basically had all the woodworking tools. He was a woodworker and, and helped me uh, with the joints and I biscuit jointed everything and glued everything together. And uh, we still have it to this day and I want to get rid of it because I think it's a hunk of junk, but my wife absolutely loves it. So <laughs> that's how I got my, into my woodworking career and, and it just kind of took off from there. And, and then people asked for things and I started doing markets and then we opened a store and, and now it's, it's going up and up and up. So 
Okay. So, I mean, that, uh, that journey is really interesting to me. Um, uh, so 2018, I think it's out on your website, 2017, 2018, somewhere in there, you yeah. started uh, Kingman Lumber Masters. Before that point, were you working at a, like a garage shop, a basement? Like how did you start uh, before you were doing the markets and such? Yeah. So when, when my wife and I got married, we were living in a basement suite. And so I had half of the garage uh, that was upstairs. And so the other guy that was uh, there, his wife parked in the garage, but he enjoyed a little bit of woodworking as well. He was a carpenter uh, and I was a carpenter too, uh, carpenter's apprentice back then. So um, we kind of, I had a bunch of tools, he had a bunch of tools. So uh, we would just kind of use what each other had. And um, I bought my first planer and uh, I didn't have a dust collector and it just exploded everywhere over my shop all the time. And it was a crazy amount of dust everywhere. so that's that's kind of where I started was out of half a garage, basically. So 200 square feet. Okay. And so you started building your business with doing markets and such. Um, uh, how did that look? And at what point did, were you kind of like, okay, I want, uh, I need to get a space. I need to get this. This is, this is turning into something. So it happened kind of just before COVID. Um, when did we get our, we got our space November, 2020. Um, so really the, the heavy part of COVID happened just in the new year there in 2021. And, um, so, uh, we were selling the, the, the hardwood live edge lumber out of my dad's garage and my brother's garage was one of our kilns where we'd kiln dry the wood and my garage was the workshop. And so we were utilizing about 1200 square feet and I was like, we really just need to get this all into one space. And, um, so in the end of October, uh, we started looking for a space and we found one pretty quick and, um, yeah, I had just basically convinced my dad and my brother that they were a little nervous to do it because we didn't have any overhead before. And now we had overhead. And um, I ended up convincing them that I hadn't had a days off from woodworking and um, building furniture in three years. So why is that going to change once we have a store? And uh, getting that store was probably one of the best uh, business moves we've ever done as it doubled our uh, sales that coming year. And then uh, this last year, we, we grew by 50% as well. Okay. So I remember when I walked into your shop the first time, I met your dad, actually. And uh, I was looking for lumber because I'm a woodworker on the weekends. And I was really interested kind of by your business model of supplying lumber, supplying some of the supplies like epoxy, table legs, that type of stuff. And then you know, the whole back of the shop, you're obviously uh, building a lot of projects. Um, a lot of people do the the building side of things not so many are also working on getting a kiln and doing the lumber supply what uh, led to that kind of uh, hybrid business model so i mentioned a little bit earlier when i was kind of um saying how i got my start but uh, basically when i started woodworking i started in 2017 when my wife and i got married and it's probably about six months later or so that we started the company but uh my dad basically suggested, because we go to Kelowna, every, uh, BC, every single year for vacation. And he's like, oh, there's got to be somebody around here with a backyard mill or something. And um, we ended up, uh, I found a guy on Facebook Marketplace that was selling wood. And I drove an hour away with my brother's Volkswagen Jetta. And um, we loaded the trunk full. And I gave him $200 for the whole trunk full. <laughs> and, um, and then we ended up driving back. And I used some of it and sold some of it. And, um, and then after that, I, I sold it for a pretty decent profit, about six times my money. And I realized that nobody in Edmonton was really doing that and that there was a market for it. So after that, I ended up um, 
I didn't have a truck or a trailer and I didn't even have an SUV. I just had a car. So I ended up renting a Home Depot van, uh, which is $99 a day, unlimited kilometers. And I drove all the way to the coast with it and picked up as much lumber as I could and drove all the way back. And, um, and then I ended up selling that super quick. Then I started, then I ended up recruiting my dad and my brother to be my business partners. My dad had a truck. So then we started renting a U-Haul trailer. So we'd haul a trailer back and then we eventually bought a trailer and then we eventually started shipping everything because it just made more sense to do it that way. But, um, yeah, that's, that's kind of how I started getting the lumber. Uh, but the reason that I started supplying the lumber and it's, it's one of my core values, uh, was that friends and family, I felt everybody that was a woodworker was, uh, all the wood was overpriced and especially because I knew what I was paying for it. So if, Windsor Plywood buying more or other companies, they're probably paying less than I was as their larger companies. And um, basically, I wanted to be able to provide quality lumber for cheaper so that the average woodworker could um, afford it and that they could try new things without being afraid to screw up a super expensive piece of wood. Yeah, that makes that makes a ton of sense. Um, since that point, you know, King was kind of expanded. What kind of services uh, do you guys offer now? So we offer um, CNC services, flattening services, planing services. Um, we actually just got a big band saw in, so we'll be offering resawing services up to 20 inches right away, uh, laser services. Um, we do uh, custom furniture, and then obviously we offer um, all of the lumber as well, and we can cut anything to size that you need. Fantastic. Um, so the focus of the business, you've got the lumber side, you've got the furniture side. Uh, let's talk about the furniture side a little bit. You were talking earlier in the interview about how you really like being creative and designing things. Uh, what's kind of your, your process for that? You know, do you, do you start with the idea of what you want to build first? Do you look at the lumber you have and decide where to go from that? Obviously, the customer is going to be very involved as well if it's a customer project, but uh, talk me through your process a bit. Yeah. So when I started out, it was kind of, I'd let the wood speak to me a little bit and just like, so I do a lot of river tables. So I would decide if I wanted to cast it or if I wanted to split it into a traditional river. Um, nowadays, a lot of it is a customer brings me a photo of uh, something that they've seen on the internet or something that I've done even uh, if it's a referral and uh, they basically want me to try and replicate it. That's what most customers want. So there's not a ton of creativity in stuff like that when a customer has a very specific vision. Um, but I do get customers quite often where they just say, this is the size table I want. I want it to be, say, a black walnut piece, but I want it to be really unique. Uh, and then I get a lot of creativity um, and I get to do layouts and I show them this is the layout I think would look best. And, and they end up trusting my expertise a lot of the time. And um so we don't do any programs like SketchUp or anything like that um, to, to show them. I have such a large portfolio. I can show them roughly what their project's going to look like based off of past projects that I've done. Um, we do often like to take on projects that we haven't done before. Um, and just between me and my team of woodworkers that we have now, um, we're pretty knowledgeable at trying to figure things out and, and, uh, make the end product a, a really nice piece of custom furniture as well. Uh, looking at the business, it's obviously grown quite a bit since you started in 2018. You got moved into a space in 2020. You've just recently moved into a new space here in 2023. Um, 
what's what's been kind of the growth plan for the business and then where do you see it going uh, in the future so uh, the plan originally was just it was a side hustle we were making a little bit of money on the side and um, my plan was to finish my carpentry ticket um, and the business just it took off way faster than we expected it to um, so I was working 12 hour days in um, 2021 uh, every single day, basically, except for Sundays. And it uh, just got to be a lot for me. So I decided that um, my business is now my career and I gave up on my uh, my carpentry ticket. Um, so I didn't finish that, uh, even though I had five years of experience in the, in the carpentry world and renovation world. Um, I decided to give up on it. And my, my business was my sole goal, basically. And so once that happened, I decided that I really need to um, figure out kind of the business plan and, and so that I can achieve goals and, and continue to grow and, and things like that. And um, so we basically, my goal, and there's no timeline on the goal, is to one day compete with Windsor Plywoods and Home Depots and Lowe's and Rona's and those types of stores uh, in, in any form of fashion. I'm not sure exactly what it'll look like, but I have a vision of that's what I want the company to look like, but I want to provide a better customer service than those, those places is, um, some of them, they're so large that, um, the quality control of, uh, employees or, uh, customer service, uh, representatives just, just isn't there. And that's one of my core values is to give the best customer service I can, uh, and have somebody leave with a smile on their face because they were treated how I would want to be treated um, in any type of store. Um, so in the next year or two, um, we're going through a massive change. We're offering more services like uh, fencing and dex- decking uh, construction, and we're offering the supplies for those as well soon here. Um, so we're going through a, a large shift. Um, and uh, yeah, I think my goal is to probably get to be a competitor of theirs sooner than later. Okay. Fantastic. That's good to have as a goal. Definitely. It's a, it's a noticeable difference going into your shop versus uh, you know, any of the, the larger ones like Windsor, or certainly Home Depot, uh, a lot more knowledgeable staff, a lot more product selection, uh, very fair prices. I do have to say for sure, which is a, a key, uh, a key importance for you. Mm-hmm. Um, looking at all the different things that you do in your shop, all the different things you do with your day with running the business. Do you have any kind of favorite part of uh, all the different hats that you have to wear? Like, is there a certain thing that you really enjoy doing versus others? I think one of the things that I love doing most, um, and it, it, it's not even kind of business-wise, but we get a lot of people that come in that uh, either don't have a lot of money or they're going through a hard time or they're even beginners. And um, lots of times being the owner, it's quite nice. I get to just decide things. So lots of times somebody's going through a hard time and I just decide to give them some free wood. and the the smiles that get put on people's faces because of that are just it really makes my day and that's a big part of who I am is is being good to people and um so I end up um yeah being able to to do things like that to put smiles on other people's faces but I also get to um yeah put a smile on my own face in, in the same same aspect business wise I think the hat that I like wearing the most probably though is um 
I enjoy sales. I enjoy when customers come in and they have an idea for a, a custom project and I get to put my own spin on it. And uh, when they like really agree with me and think that that'll look awesome, that's a, that's a really good thing that I, I like to, um, to be able to do as well. Nice. Uh, looking at the woodworking business and just talking about kind of the different hats that you're wearing, there's definitely a shift towards uh, lots of different terms for them being used, but kind of more of these digital tools uh, being used in the workspace in addition to the power tools and traditional hand tools. Uh, you guys obviously embrace that. You've got a full-size CNC. You've got a laser. Um, has, how do you choose when to use which tool and like what importance does those, those kind of digital tools have for you in your process? Sometimes it depends on the size of the project. Um, our CNC is a, a four foot by eight foot. So it's a, a very large bed size where our laser is only a 20 by 28 bed size. Um, it can sometimes be dependent on the detail. Um, so if it needs to be crazy detailed, we like to do the laser as it's a lot more detailed. If it needs to be cut deep so it can be epoxied, that's when we'll use the CNC. Um, yeah, those are probably the biggest factors of why we would use which machine in what circumstance. Okay, that makes sense. And what would you say to some of the traditionalists who maybe uh, push back against CNCs and lasers and woodworking and say that's maybe not so much woodworking anymore? I think it's a fair point. Um, I actually had a um, one of our team members, his uncle came in the other day, and uh, his uncle is a very old school woodworker, hand carving, tons of things. And he was showing me his portfolio. It's so different than what I do. Um, I would classify him more so as a woodworker and us as more so as a business, even though woodwork is our business. What he does is he's hand carving wood where we're working on a computer to program to carve out somebody's name in a piece. So it's, it's a very different. So it's kind of like comparing apples to oranges, I would say. So I'd say those, those traditional woodworkers are correct in an aspect, but um, yeah, when they get angry about things like that, then, then it's an issue. But um, I think that there's, there's a time and a place for both, both types of work. Yeah, I agree with that. I think that, uh, you know, wanting to say that to differentiate between, um, you know, it's the same as the people want to differentiate between they build everything by hand with hand tools and planes and everything versus using power tools. You know, to me, the CNCs and lasers and all those things are just kind of the next evolution of the power tools. And even some of these new tools that we see, like I had Festool on the show um, a little while back and they're talking about some of these new like digital table saws and things like that that they're bringing out and it's to me it's just an evolution of the tools so yeah i agree with you i think that if they want to differentiate that's cool but the whole gatekeeping thing i think you know we're all building stuff with wood it's all technically woodworking yeah it's, a, sure. it's interesting to see the evolution for sure um for you, as I get towards the, the end of these episodes, I typically ask two questions. And so the first one is kind of fun because you get a magic wand to fix, fix a misconception. Uh, but if you were to remove any one misconception uh, about custom furniture, uh, what would it be for you? Um, it's probably been said a lot, but that it's, that it's hard to get into, that you need all these big expensive tools. You, you really don't. There's... So many types of furniture out there nowadays, especially in the rustic um, side of furniture making, you basically just need um, a drill and a skill saw and some hand tools and you can start making custom rustic furniture. And um, so that's, that's probably what I would say is that you don't need 
$10,000 to buy all this expensive equipment to start your shops just so you can start. Um, there's, there's a lot of ways, um, whether it's borrowing from somebody or finding a, a larger shop like me where I can help you along the process depending on what you need or, um, yeah, just really using resources around you to get started and building up until you feel that you can afford things and making a step from there. Because obviously the larger machines make things more efficient, um, but you don't need them to get the, the proper work done. Yeah, that makes sense. And then the last question I always ask is a personal interest question for me. I, I read and collect a lot of books. And so if you were to recommend a book right now, personal or professional, uh, which one would it be for you? It's actually called Understanding Wood by R. Bruce Hoadley. Um, so it's a book that's all about um, a bunch of different types of wood and uh, grain orientations and species and how they act in specific environments and um, all that type of stuff um, as uh, one thing that I like to do is continue to learn about wood movement in furniture making. Um, it's an ever going issue, especially in table making. Um, so if I can even learn one tip from one book uh, that I try and I put into um, practice into our shop that helps a table stay flat for longer, um, especially in our environment in Edmonton with uh, such dry winters and such wet summers, humidity wise, um, I've been told by a lot of furniture makers, if you can make furniture here, you can pretty much make it anywhere in the world. So this book has been really good about grain orientation and, um, yeah, just like different uh, reasons why wood grows a specific way and how it heals itself and specific, um, properties that uh, really help me decide what species would be best for a specific project. Nice. Sounds like a really good one to have. Important information for any woodworker. Uh, well, Zach, thank you so much for taking the time to be on the show today. For everyone listening, I'm going to go ahead and put links uh, down below to Zach's social media as well as his website. If you happen to be local in the Edmonton area, of course, you can come and drop in at his uh, new warehouse and uh, office space there. And uh, with that, uh, Zach, I hope you have a great rest of your day. Awesome. You take care, Sean. All right. Thanks, guys, for listening to this week's episode of Better Construction. I really appreciate you taking the time to do so. If you have any questions for myself or the guest, you feel free to reach out on social media. And with that, we'll talk again next time.